Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Evan Brand. Thanks for joining me. Today's show is with a client of mine named Wendy Myers. Not the same Wendy Myers that you know, the detox friend of mine. No, this is a different one. This is a client of mine who had a list of literally 30 plus symptoms that all disappeared with the help of me. Plus, we discussed getting her breast implants removed, and that was the huge catalyst for her. If you missed my Candida Summit interview with Erin Elizabeth, Dr. Mercola's partner, she talked all about mold illness and how she found out that her implants were leaking. And as you're going to hear with Wendy, it's really not a matter of if implants, silicone or saline leak, it's a matter of when do they leak. This is a huge problem. There's thousands and thousands of Facebook groups out there, women that are sharing their stories. They're going to explant surgeons to get this done. It's a huge problem. And I guarantee most plastic surgeons want to look the other way at this problem. She wanted to mention, this is Wendy talking. She said, I forgot to mention to your listeners that since having my implants out, all but two or three of my 30 plus symptoms have disappeared. That's pretty incredible. Maybe you could say this on the show. Yeah. So I said it now, just so you know, this is a huge needle mover for people. Now, men listening, don't just tune out. I think this is important. You should hear this. You may have a friend or a partner or a spouse or a girlfriend or somebody with implants, and this is a big, big, big deal. So my buddy, Dr. Justin, his thyroid reset summit is going on, so I do want to make sure that you all register for that because you can watch all the talks for free. I'm interviewed on there. We talked all about gut health and what I've seen clinically improving thyroid by working on the gut. So go register for his event because it's free and it's awesome. It's going to be evanbrand.com forward slash thyroid. And if you need to reach out, consult with me or Megan, you can reach out at my regular site, just evanbrand.com. You can schedule a call with us. There's also the 15-minute free call available. That's where Megan can chat with you about your health symptoms, your goals, figure out what's going on with you, determine if you're a good fit for care. All right, let's dive into the show here. Enjoy. Wendy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Evan. Glad to be here. All right, so I, I figured... I have a lot of good stories that happen with working with clients, but I figured yours was one that was too good not to share with people because you had a gigantic list of symptoms which dissolved over a period of time, which happened in honestly pretty better than average expected timeline. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not having you on here just to toot my horn and to inflate my ego. I'm having you on here because your story is something that many women should be hearing about and they won't hear about it, at least as long as the plastic surgery industry can, you know, try to keep the wraps on this whole thing. So why don't you just so true. get us up to speed on uh, the start of your journey, what the heck happened to you, where are you at now, and then just walk us through that timeline a bit. Sure. Yeah. If you don't mind me kind of going back a little in time, I'll, I'll take you along for Please. the journey. Um, so yeah, it, um, last year I'd say, um, springtime of 2018 is when I reached out to you. Um, I had a list of 30 plus symptoms that were so problematic and debilitating and, you know, after going to urgent care centers and, you know, my my regular physician, um, you know, and, the, the, you know, those doctors are sending me to other specialists, GI specialists, and everybody's doing these tests on me. All of my testing was coming back showing that I was a completely healthy individual, yep. and yet I felt anything but healthy. I 
had the hardest time even mustering an hour's worth of energy. And, you know, I'm the mother of a three and a half year old last year, you know, he was two and getting out of bed or getting off the couch for more than an hour was such a struggle for me. And I knew despite these tests showing that I was healthy, I wasn't healthy. Something was seriously wrong. And so I just was persistent in my pursuit of finding answers. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a choice. I had to get to the bottom of it. So let me ask I, you this. Yeah. Did you get any diagnoses from the conventional medical people? Like, did they say, hey, Wendy, you've got chronic fatigue? Or did they give you no labels? They just said, you're fine. We can't find anything wrong. You know, it started um, It started at an urgent care center and then an emergency room because I was having really bad stomach pains um, and, and very consistent nausea. Um and they didn't diagnose me with anything in particular other than, um, you know, gastritis. Yeah, you know, exactly. They said, which, oh, you know. Which let me elaborate on gastritis. Gastritis means, hey, there's some type of inflammation. We have no idea what it's caused from, but potentially they'll give you like an acid blocking medication and send That's you on your way. That's what they did. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's so exactly did they, what happened. Did they do an endoscopy to determine gastritis or how did they? They or, didn't. Or just clinical? Um, not at the time. Yeah, just clinical based on, they did blood work and things like that. Um, but it was really, I, I would you know, clinical. They did, they did scans like a CT scan um, of my abdomen. Nothing showed. So I think that's just kind of what they sent me home with. And they sent me home with acid blockers. They sent me home with anti-nausea medication. You did know, you take those? I don't remember if I, you and I discussed the drugs. Did you use them for a while or? I did not use the acid blockers. I did use the anti-nausea medication every now and again, just to, and you know, just to alleviate that feeling and it did work but it didn't solve the problem you know the problem persisted and you know come may 2018 i had so many symptoms that couldn't be ignored that i had heard your podcast and i reached out to you because i thought i've never worked with a functional medicine practitioner i really need to figure this out so i reached out to you um and i was so thankful because you know during your intake you heard my whole history and, um, you know, it wasn't symptoms that solely started last year. It's kind of something that happened over the course of the past decade for me, slowly but surely. Um, so then working with you, you know, you ran all of the tests and we got a few answers that way. And, um, you know, I started on your protocol to kind of troubleshoot and tackle some of the issues that were very obvious, you know, from from the testing. Um, but what also struck me at the same time was as these symptoms kept developing, I started developing pain in my left breast, um, you know, just troubling symptoms. So, I, you know, I do what most people do. I started Googling my symptoms, you know, (laughs) and um, they say don't do that. But I'm so glad that I did because I came across um, a Facebook page um, support group for breast implant illness. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I wonder if that's the case, because I got breast implants, saline breast implants in 2004. And two years after I got the implants, is when I started, you know, having some digestive issues. I started developing some food intolerances that I never had before. Um, I started developing monthly migraines. 
didn't have those before. I just never connected the dots that maybe it was my breast implants, you know, that were causing these symptoms. And at the time, I did go to a GI specialist then. I went to a nutritionist. And some of my symptoms did improve when I changed my nutrition. I took gluten out. I took dairy out. Um, you know, some of the common allergens. And um, I did see temporary improvement, but it wasn't permanent. And um, so being in this Facebook group about breast implant illness, I realized I was one of 55,000 women in this group and their stories mirrored my story. It was uncanny. It was crazy. But I finally, for the first time, felt validated. I felt like these women get it. Like they have been struggling too. And their symptoms are the exact same symptoms <laughs> that I've had. And um, so what led you to what led you to get implants? Was it just like a cosmetic thing? Or because I know some women, you know, if they had breast cancer or something else, or if they had misshapen breast, or one was bigger than the other, or they had the uh, mastectomies done, and they got one removed, so then the other didn't match, so then they get it in. Like, did you have a particular reason or? Totally. Yeah, it's actually, I, I share my journey um, on my blog about this because I want other women to, I, I know other women can identify with my story. Um, I got breast implants uh, all through middle school and high school. I never developed breasts. I was very flat chested, didn't need to wear a bra or anything like that. And clothes didn't fit me well. It was hard to find you know, clothes that fit comfortably. And I would come home to my mom and cry and just say, you know, I just, I want breasts. I want to feel more womanly. You know, I just felt like something was missing. And so she always lovingly encouraged me just to wait it out. Your body will develop. You know, maybe you're just a late bloomer, you know, all of those things. And so I did. I waited. And then when I was 25 years old, I thought, if it's, if it hasn't happened by now, I don't think it's going to happen. So I thought I did my due diligence. You know, I researched breast implants. I consulted with surgeons. I read research on breast implants. And I thought I had everything figured out that I was not going to have saline or excuse me, I was not going to have silicone because I didn't want those chemicals in my body. And I, I was going to go the saline route. And um, so I made the decision, at, you know, kind of in hindsight, it's like, wow, I really was lacking self-confidence, self-love, all of those things. I was still developing my identity at that point, you know, so which I think a lot of women go through. And um, so that's really kind of what what led me down that path was I just wanted to feel more womanly, you know, yeah. and but underneath that, I think I wanted to feel more accepted. I wanted to feel more attractive. I wanted, you know, all those things that, you know, it's common. Um, well, you know what's interesting is my friend, Wendy Myers, she had breast implants. That's me. <laughs> I know. Well, do you know that my friend, Wendy Myers, who has a podcast who talks all about detoxification and all that, she had implants and went really? through the same thing. Yeah, my wife was so. looking at my calendar and she goes, she goes, Wendy, she said, she goes, didn't you just do a podcast with Wendy? I said, no, this is a different Wendy. Get out of here. And she had implants and she got super sick from them. And now she talks about How it on her about podcast. That? You need to connect with her. I'll I have totally to, need to connect with her. I'll, I'll introduce you guys because she, you know, she's now talking. I don't think she has hers out though. 
That's the thing. I don't know if hers mm-hmm. were leaking or if she had problems or if she didn't have problems or what, but mm-hmm. I know she's brought it up on several occasions. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, a bigger problem than than society realizes. I've got a, a totally. statistic here. This is from plasticsurgery.org. This is a American Society of Plastic Surgeons. This was dated uh, 2018. I'm reading here the there's a continued growth in cosmetic procedures over you know, the last several years, in 2018, there were 17 and a half million min, uh, yeah, 17 and a half million surgical and minimally invasive cosmetic procedures, and then in terms of, uh, of the 1.8 million cosmetic surgical procedures done, uh, of course you got liposuction, breast augmentation, tummy tuck. I'm trying to find the actual number of of implants. Now they're talking about breast reduction is like the new cool thing now. Yeah, it's interesting because in in going through my journey and talking with um, my most recent plastic surgeon, he said he has more women coming to him to explant or to reduce than to implant. Um, I'm trying to find a number here just to see how often is this, but I can't find a number. Oh, here we go. Okay, you got it. Well, let's see. National Center for Health Research. Ah, here we go. In 2017, I can't find 18, but in yes. 2017, more than 300,000 women and teenagers, which I think is crazy almost for a teenager to do that, unless there's like a yes. medical problem or something crazy. I don't know. I'm not judging you. I'm just even saying Even still, I, yep. Even still, I think it's crazy. Uh, 300,000 women and teenagers underwent surgery to have breast enlarged with silicone or saline Yes. in 2017. And then it says there were about 47,000 implant removal procedures. And then it says here, uh, given these statistics, it's not surprising that in spite of the increasing number of women with breast implants, debate continues to swirl about their safety. So it sounds like we're really starting to to kind of turn the tide. Yeah, I think it's coming to the surface, and I'm so glad that you have me on talking about it because it takes women who have gone through the experience, you know, to share because – you know, you can't always trust the medical, <laughs> you know, I hate to be skeptical and, um, but you can't always trust that they're going to provide you with the best information, you know, well, let me I read this to too. Let me add this on top of those numbers. So 46% of women with silicone gel implants and 21% with saline implants underwent at least one reoperation within three years. Wow, within three years. Yeah, because when I had my initial consultation to get the saline implants in, I was told that the shelf life, so to speak, is about 10 years for implants. So I would absolutely need to have them replaced, you know, at, within that 10-year mark, you know, and if I wanted to keep going with them in my life, then it would be every decade. I would have really? to. Really? I did yes. not know that. Mm-hmm. Now, were and you so sick? Was, were you sick at 10 years on the dot or sooner? No, I was I was sooner, but I didn't recognize it as such. You know, I two years after getting my implants is when my digestive issues started and my migraines started. Um, but I, I didn't see the correlation at all at the time. And um, it really wasn't until this past year. And uh, even in 2017, my mother said, you know, you've passed the 10-year mark. You, you might need to go back to your surgeon and just make sure, you know, that everything's okay. And so I wonder if it was, you know, a little bit of her intuition kicking in, you know, something's going on here. So sure enough, I did go back to my implanting 
surgeon. He looked me over. Everything looked good. Everything felt good. And his words exactly were, if they ain't broke, don't fix them. And so even though here I was at that time, 13 years in of having these implants, he didn't see a reason for me to replace them or take them out because, you know, there was no sign of rupture, no sign of capsular contracture. What's that? Um, So that's when, and that's one of the things when you go for your consultation, they warn you about capsular um, contracture, which is when they put the implant in, your body naturally um, forms scar tissue around the implant to protect your body from it. Wow. And so that can get really hard, that tissue. And it can be very painful and, you know, your breasts may may not look right when that happens. So that's one of the main warnings that they give you, a risk or a side effect of having implants. I didn't have that experience and um, and I didn't have leakage or a rupture. But what I found out through this support group and from my research about implants is that whether you have a big leak or a rupture or not, your implants are always leaking microscopically. Ah. So you can imagine what's going in and out of these porous substances, you know, inside your body. These are now foreign invaders in your body and your body's doing everything it should be to protect you from these foreign objects in your body. And um, so in my case, it compromised my health. You know, my health started to decline. And I think really for me, it was after breastfeeding my son. I fed, I breastfed him for about 18 months. And after that, you know, I started noticing a little bit of pain in my left breast and achy joints, very low energy and extreme fatigue. I thought I had Lyme disease, so I got tested for Lyme and it didn't, you know, that didn't come back positive. Um, my migraines went from being a monthly thing to a weekly thing. Um, so I went to a neurologist to see, you know, something going on in my brain. What is going on? Cause then I also started developing some tingling, some numbness. I had this sensation that things were crawling on my skin, like, you know, like bugs or something like that. It was very alarming. And, um, you know, I had ringing in my ears. I had kind of a fluttering or a popping sensation happening in my ears. Just so many things that were so off the wall and, um, but nobody had answers for. And um, so just, yeah, it's been eye-opening, truly eye-opening. So let's fast forward. I remember the when we did the initial call together and you told me about the tingling and I remember telling you, or it was a crawling sensation. I said, Wendy, I don't know exactly what that is right now. I said, but what we're going to do is we're going to try to fix as many things as we can with you, and we hope that that symptom disappears. So what's the update on your symptoms, and then let's get to, you know, the logistics. How did everything go down? Sure, absolutely. So, yes, so you put me on a, a pretty robust protocol, and within four weeks of being on your protocol, I felt like I was having a herxing reaction. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but for your listeners, it's really when kind of your muscles and your cells are really trying to get the toxins out of you. So almost every symptom that I had was amplified for for a little time, and then it went away. So about six weeks so of my symptoms had lifted and had improved and it just was it was wonderful I felt like I had you know newfound energy I wasn't out of the woods by any means but I no longer had um, the fluttering in my ears the numbness and tingling was 
far less um you know the the dry eyes and and uh the you know the creepy crawly feeling on my skin had gone away um so so much had improved just from your protocol which was oh gosh you know to have any relief after all that i had been through it just was so hope forming that i was on the right path yeah and while you're talking i'm going to pull up your labs too and mm-hmm. if I can, if you're okay with me mentioning a few things that we saw in your labs, and then we'll talk about what we did protocol-wise. The thing that's interesting is I'm noticing the same thing with some of my clients now that are having mold problems, whether it's in their house or in their body, is a lot yeah. of these herbs that I use, they do have antifungal properties. And so when we start to try to treat fungus or mold or parasites or bacteria, we notice people get better. And if the nail's still in your foot, the nail is still in your foot, but this is why so many people notice they get better. And even for me, you know, when I was on antifungals, I felt great, but I was still living in a moldy house and that's why I didn't get fully better. Yep. That's exactly how I felt. I thought, you know, I'm improving, but how I can't fully heal if I have these implants still compromising my immune system. Yep. So how do you even approach this conversation with a doctor or your surgeon or whoever like this is only a special type of person that does this they only do explants walk us through that whole thing yeah well it's a really important thing to know too as i've found out because not every plastic surgeon who does breast augmentation is knowledgeable of breast implant illness not every plastic surgeon is knowledgeable of the you know the proper way of explanting implants it's not as easy as just you know cutting you open and pulling them out, um, the procedure that you really want to get is called on block, E-N-B-L-O-C, or total capsulectomy, which means that they take the capsule out. So that means your implant, but also the tissue that formed around your breast implant. So they literally have to take that whole tissue out because that is problematic if that stays in your body you know that's been affected by the chemicals from the implant I didn't mention that but both saline and silicone breast implants the shell of the implant doesn't matter what's inside the shell has over 40 chemicals neurotoxins carcinogens things like that so I thought I was getting the safe implant by having saline. Ah. Little did I know, nobody told me that the shell of every implant has 40 plus toxic chemicals in it. Well, I'm guessing it probably has to have phthalates too, which are um, plastic softener. And those we know disrupt your endocrine system because those things, for those things to be moldable and pliable, I'm guessing they have to have some chemical like a phthalate in there to soften that plastic. I bet they do. There's, you know, if you go online and you and you research, um, you know, the shell of implants, there's a lot of, there's kind of like an ingredients list um, that's out there. And it's got all things from printer ink, lacquer, it's got formaldehyde, it's got, you know, all these crazy things. I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I was putting that into my body. And had I known, I think I would have thought twice, you know, right. about making that decision. So... I think if, you know, if you're a woman and you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I really should get these implants out, um, you really want to look for a surgeon who is knowledgeable of breast implant illness, um, but also knows and is skilled in doing that on-block surgery um, to get that capsule out of your body for full recovery. 
Um, so I was, and again, having that Facebook support group um, was instrumental in me finding the surgeon that I used. He's experienced in doing that. He was so compassionate and just so, he's a believer in breast implant illness. And uh, when I went into his office for my first consultation, I showed him my list of 30 plus symptoms. And he just looked at me, he goes, oh no, you too? And I said, what, did you, what do you mean? And he said, I can't even tell you how often I see these symptoms. Whoa. I mean, my it's just, you know, he's seeing it every day. It's, now, was this a guy, knowing what he knows, was he still doing implants too, or is he just an explant guy? I asked him that because, I, you know, that was a concern of mine. He does do implants, but he believes in informed consent, informed, okay. de- you know, decision making. So he does talk to... Um, you know, men and women who come and ask for implants. He does talk to them about the risks, including breast implant illness, as well as the new um, cancer that they have found is associated with breast implants. Um, the cancer is oh, called, wow. yeah, the cancer is called breast implant associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma. And there oh, have that been, sounds really fun to have. Right? I know. So there have been documented cases um, that are absolutely linked to having implants so he informs his patients of that and I I just I thanked him for that because that's what was missing during my initial consultation well things probably information well back in you said it was 04 Mm -hmm. I mean there probably wasn't even documented cases that were mainstream about that type of cancer back then I mean the way time flies it seems like yesterday it was 2004 but in terms of research I bet a lot's happened in the last decade alone I think so and I mean I, I am hopeful because I just learned that the FDA is having its first ever meeting this March um, for women with breast implants, whether they've explanted or still have them, to come and share their experiences with the FDA. Um, so just having a panel like that, I think, is going to be a shift, a major shift, because then they can at least hear the voices of women who have lived through this, have dealt with it, have struggled with it. You know, I just... I'm hopeful that they will, you know, do something with that information and and take a look at the safety of implants. Yep. Well, so I want to I want to point out one thing, which is that, you know, I've got a tool set that's really good, but I don't have all the tools. So in your case, you know, I was looking back at your at your stool test and you did show yeah. up with a few problems like you did have a pretty high amount of blastocystis hominis, which is a parasite infection. You did have low secretory IgA, which meant you had a leaky gut situation. So you and I worked on those issues, and I looked back at one of the protocols, and you had said that even before your implant surgery, this was last fall, that your energy was 60% better, bowel movements were better, Mm -hmm. the dry eye was 80% better, and that your breast implant removal surgery was scheduled for November, and you and I were going to do a follow-up after that and make sure that we did probiotics after that. So you had significant progress even before the explant, but I can't take all the credit because you and I could have chased your gut and chased your liver and chased the chemical toxicity and all that we looked at. We could have chased that forever, and you wouldn't have got the results you've got if you did not get those things out. I agree. I don't think that my healing would have come as far as it has. Um, But, you know, your protocol absolutely started me down the right path to healing. You know, I knew there I had to get the implants out. But um, just, you know, you talking to me and you showing me the information that came from my testing, it just was a catalyst for me to change my lifestyle. 
It really was. I mean, it wasn't just about taking the herbs for me. It was, you know, changing things in my household to make them less toxic. And, you know, I I tried infrared saunas, you know, because you suggested it. And I think those were huge for me. Same thing with dry brushing. And I got a Berkey water filter for my family. So I think all of those holistic healing modalities were instrumental in me turning the corner. Yeah. So... Well, it sounds yeah, like so you need to start. You. I know you have a blog, but it sounds like you need to be doing a podcast, not just a blog. Oh, <laughs> my husband said the same thing. He was like, this is so great, you know, and you have such a story to share, which is so sweet to say. How does he feel? Um, I'm sure he's happy to see that you were able to figure this out and navigate these waters because it's not like this is on, you know, national news. Hey, every woman needs to know this. It's not like this is being broadcast not, as much. I, I wish it was. And, it, you know, it is starting. It, it, it's getting out there um, little by little, which I'm so grateful for. But, yes, he is... He's happy to have, you know, kind of a glimpse of the of the girl he used to know, the wife he, you know, he proposed to. And he's happy to kind of see me coming back to being Wendy, you know, Little Miss Sunshine. And um, it feels good to, to be that way because I really was grieving not being able to participate in my life the way I knew I could and wanted to. And so, uh, yeah, it's been a journey. And I think he's learning along the way, too. He's slowly leaning into you know, making those lifestyle shifts for himself too. You know, he hasn't been unhealthy the way I was, but, you know, I think it's, it's beneficial regardless to make those shifts. Yeah. Usually it's the skeptic or the, the stubborn husband that I have to convince to do something. So (laughs) uh, I'm glad that you're working on him. That way I can save my breath. (laughs) Well, thanks. No, I think, you know, you have to lead by example and you know share your vulnerabilities and you know i think that's how you help people you don't push them to do something you just you know be authentic and say this is what i'm doing and here's why and absolutely i mean that's that's what i try to do with the podcast you know rather than me just be like a lecture guy that's just super boring i try to just share look here's what happened i suffered and every time i've suffered i've helped people during my suffering so that's right it's the best way to learn is to be a wounded warrior and it gives you an extra sense of empathy and compassion and an extra sense of motivation to get the message out so i'm really proud of really proud of what you're doing is there anything else you want to share in terms of the story and then of course i want to hear about your blog you should probably do a podcast and then if there's any (laughs) other and if there's any other resources that you would like people to to have whether it's looking up you know special surgeons that have certifications you're recommending or whatever else we need to know Sure. Well, I think my, you know, my greatest takeaway from what I have gone through is a message of self-love. You know, I have come through the other side, luckily, you know, as I'm as I'm reclaiming my health. And, you know, it's just I, wa- I want men and women out there to to love what God gave them. You know, I wish I had that, you know, when I was 25, making the decision to get implants. I really wish that you know, I had a better sense of myself and, you know, that I was adequate, I was acceptable. And so I think if your listeners are hearing this, it's check in with yourself and really, you know, focus on everything that's great, everything that's wonderful, that doesn't need tweaking, you know. And um, and I think as far as, you know, my journey, if, if your listeners want to visit my blog, that would be great. There's so much more about my journey, my symptoms, you know, if they can identify in my story at all, they can certainly reach out to me. So my blog is called The Sensitive Soul Blog. Um, you can get there at www.thesensitivesoulblog.com. It um, has the word blog in it, thesensitivesoulblog.com. 
That's right. Mm-hmm. And or if you're on Instagram, I'm at, at the sensitive soul. Um, so those are the best ways to reach out to me or, you know, learn a little bit more about me, my story. And uh, this is kind of my trajectory right now. I'm all about holistic healing and health. And I'm kind of infusing my um, my counseling background into my blog, you know, how to really take care of yourself in a holistic way. And um, thanks to you, I'm really promoting a non-toxic lifestyle and how you can switch you know, I had to make the switch. I'm still switching over, you know, and so it's those baby steps. But, you know, if I can help anyone, that's that's the goal. Well, I'm glad to convert you and I'm, <laughs> and, and I'm proud of you. I can't take all the credit, but I'm very proud of you. And uh, you might want to buy some more bandwidth for your website, because if uh, when we put this episode up, people are probably going to blow up your website a little bit. So. Oh, well, that's sweet of you to say. And I welcome it. <laughs> I welcome visitors. And like I said, if anybody, you know, feels compelled to reach out to me or has any questions, I am so willing and eager to help people. So, um, you know, I certainly welcome that. Cool. And is there a website or any type of resource if people say, hey, I have implants or I had XYZ done, I need to see my options. You mentioned that. Yes. That it's that type of removal. You call it the on block? On block, yes. Okay. Um, it kind of looks like it should be pronounced N block but because it's E-N, but it's pronounced on block, um, otherwise known as total capsulectomy service. Um, total capsulectomy um, procedure and what I would recommend for listeners is if they have access to Facebook you definitely want to join the healing breast implant illness by Nicole group Um, the women in there they share their stories whether they still have implants or they have explanted there are so many resources in that group and uh, I found it so valuable and so validating um, so that's a really great resource that I would offer to all of the listeners. And if you want to, you know, if you want to learn more about breast implant illness, it's it's getting out there, you know. So I think if you did a general search for it, you would learn more and more about it. Um, but I would say that Facebook group is definitely the place to go. Cool. And I had Erin Elizabeth, Dr. Mercola's partner, on my Candida Summit because her implants were leaking probably maybe more than the microscopic you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I haven't spoke with her in a few months. I don't know if she ended up getting hers removed or if she was still in the oh, midst of being so. sick from it or what, but she was the first one who turned me on to this whole thing. And then when you and I started having this conversation, I was like, my Lord, how many women did I not yeah. ask, Hey, do you have implants? Cause not every woman is going to say, Hey, I have implants, Evan. Like, so it, you know, right. it's like, okay, so I put it on the intake form now. So now on my intake form, you know, it obviously for men and kids, it's not applicable, but for women, I always want to see, no, they don't have them. Or if they do, let's discuss it. How long have you had it? What is sure. it? What symptoms tie in? I think it's in? good to put it on the radar. Absolutely. And, yeah. um, you know, I think, is breast implant is breast implant illness going to happen in every woman who has implants? No, maybe not. You know, but does it happen for a lot of women? It sure does. You know, and I I just think having the knowledge and the information tucked away in the back of your head, if you already have implants or you're making a decision about getting them, I think it's really valuable to know the pros and cons of of what you're choosing to do to your body and. Um, you know, I think it's, we, we kind of say it's not if it's going to happen, it's when is it going to happen? How long are you going to leave them in your body? And, 
you know, your body over time is going to reject foreign objects. That's what your body does. It should be doing that. Um, you know, it really should. So um, it's just something to have tucked away in the back of your mind if you start having symptoms. Because this is what I struggled with. I started having symptoms. I was going from specialist to specialist, doctor to doctor, test to test with no, you know, no concrete outcome. And I started thinking, like, is this all in my head? You know, am I, is this psychosomatic? And this is such a common experience, you know, from what I found out from all the other ladies that shared their stories. And so I just want to tell your listeners, it's not in your head. Be your own best health advocate. Keep going after answers, you know, and if somebody doesn't listen, go to the next person. Yep. Well said. Well, check out Wendy's blog. It's the sensitivesoulblog.com so check it out and Wendy thanks for sharing your story it's awesome oh. to get to work together I mean it's a lot of fun we have fun together and I'm just so glad to see where you are now versus even just a year ago so oh, I, Evan thank you so much yeah I, I'm truly grateful for you and and your practice and thanks for having me on yeah it's my pleasure well people reach out don't be afraid be vulnerable Look, I always look at it like this. Did our ancestors have the ability to implant stuff into their bodies? No. So even just from like a common sense perspective, could that potentially be a problem? It sounds like it could be. Like, you know, even tattoos. You know, I've heard of people having problems with tattoos where they have like an autoimmune reaction because you're putting all this ink, which could have heavy metals and stuff like that into your skin. So it's like... That's right. Now, did ancestor people, did they do tattoos? They did, but it wasn't the stuff we're doing today. So, yeah, they used different agents for their ink back in the day. Um, right. So uh, long story short, investigate this. If you're debating getting implants, we're not saying, hey, don't, you know, do what you got to do. But right. I, I've got several women in my head who I've come across over several years, especially at the supplement company I used to work at. Several women had implants. And of course, they put off this image like they're so perfectly healthy, but I'm going to be trying to forward this podcast to them and let them hear it and say, look, I'm not trying to convince you to do this, but hey, if your health starts going downhill, you're young and, you know, think you're invincible now. But if your health starts collapsing, you need to consider this as one of the rocks you need to turn over in your journey. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that, because that that's going to be life changing. Well, thank you, Wendy. You take good care of yourself. You too, Evan. Thanks right, so much. All right, see you later. Bye. Bye. All right. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Hopefully, spring is coming. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of looking at snow on the ground. It's March. Come on. Where's the sunshine? I have the sun, but it's still freezing cold. It's like minus six degree wind chill right now. So, all you people in the southern hemisphere listening at the time of this recording, your weather's probably better. Or if you live in Florida or Texas or California down south, maybe you don't have much to complain about. But I'm going to complain because I'm ready for the warm weather so I can get outside. It's like, yeah, grounding, earthing, connect to the earth. It's like, mm, not the sexiest idea when there's like two inches of snow on the ground. You go out there and you just freeze your toes off. It's like, mm, hypothermia or grounding. Mm, I think I'm going to just pass on that for right now. Anyway, I look forward to catching up with you soon. So take care. Reach out if you need to at my site, evanbrand.com. Bye-bye. He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool Kiss her girl the night and then he leaves her She doesn't have a clue that he's never been close Why I'm in the tire, got to watch out, girl Don't want
wanna see up by your eyes out, girl Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting Let me be the one that loves you better 